Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Like a robot. I am a robot. <laughs> Science and technology. Who is it? Are you guys cooking on a hot plate in there? <laughs> no. Are you making a flux capacitor in there? No. no. <laughs> a transistor or whatever it was. Oh, God bless MST3K. I know. It's so good. Mm. How's your weekend been so far, Kathleen? Um, pretty good, pretty chill. I'm definitely chill. feeling less frazzled and overworked as I did last weekend. Oh, so yeah, that's good. That's, that's good. good. Well, um, that's good. I yeah, like that. yeah, like it's that. always nice Taking having a chill. Yeah, you know, playing house, sewing, yeah. playing with my cat, doing all those things. And that is not a euphemism. <laughs> nope, not at all. <laughs> I literally have a cat who follows me everywhere. It's crazy. Aww. It's great. So- it's like having a dog, except yeah. he's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> and his name is James Cagney. And his name is James Cagney, yes. So, <laughs> yes. He's your Yankee Doodle Man. <laughs> he's the official mascot of Old Hollywood Realness. He yeah. goes by Jimmy. Or as often more response to is Baby. Baby. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, he's Baby. He's my Baby Tiny. <laughs> Baby tiny. <laughs> well, we'll yes. have to we'll have to get him on the podcast one day. We, I, I'm sure. You know what? He has been dying to get on the podcast, and that's been the problem. That's <laughs> that's always been a little bit of a production delay, usually yeah. because of him. <laughs> You're like scram, <laughs> I know. scram, cat. You bother me, and then he looks at me with those comically too close together green eyes, and I go, Oh gosh, I can't resist. Got me over here. Oh, so. <laughs> well, um, welcome back to Old Hollywood Realness, everybody. Yeah, welcome yeah. back. We are the podcast that celebrates all the glitz and or glamour of Tinseltown's golden era. That's I right. am Kathleen Nall. Wait a second. <laughs> I am Philip Estrada. No, you know, go for it. Just, just roll with it. It's fine. I'll be fi- I'm Philip Estrada today, guys. And I'm Kathleen Nall. <laughs> Woo-woo! <laughs> and just to remind everybody, we are not professional entertainers by any stretch. <laughs> We are two extremely hardworking people in the fashion industry who happen to really love old mm-hmm. movies and costume design. So, and who, and who are yeah. generally overly caffeinated. Uh, overly caffeinated, <laughs> overworked, and a little too excited to be talking about something delightful. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. So, we are continuing the sexy Shakespeare summer series, aren't we, Kathleen? Mm-hmm. So, so sexy. So sexy. So sexy. Because so <laughs> there's nothing sexier than a man in, in um, teeny tiny shoes and mm-hmm. t- tights and teeny tiny shorts. Oh, man. So teeny. <laughs> so tiny. So teeny. Don't so, forget pairing it with a lame pirate shirt. I okay. Mean, what, nothing okay. wrong with that. I mean, no, you, no. you know me and my proclivity for lame. Well, and it's, it's <laughs> It's all about a balance. You know what yes. I mean? If you're going to go short shorts, I mean, lame top. It's, yes. It's like, yeah. <laughs> a blousey lame top, teeny <laughs> tiny booty shorts, yes. um, skin tight tights, and the smallest pump you've ever seen on a man <laughs> in your life. <laughs> Peter Pan boots also. Yeah, for very, 
They literally look like okay. Well, we right, should we burying the lead. We are discussing Taming of the Shrew, um, yes. which is kind of goes hand in hand with the film we watched last week, which is um, which is Kiss Me Kate, which yes. is based on Taming of the Shrew. So we yes. went all the way back to 1929 um, yes. to watch the United Artists version of Taming of the Shrew, which uh, um, is. <laughs> Which is amazing. So I was going to say a continuation of Shakespeare American style. <laughs> We're talking a very abbreviated version of the story. Which honestly, I I have to say, going into this movie, I was a little like, mm, see how this goes. It was actually pretty whimsical and fun. I yeah, mean, it kept me entertained. Really was too. Yeah. Um, so have you? So let me just say, let me just run through this okay, one right, real right. quick. So mm-hmm. it's Mary Pickford mm-hmm. and Kate Douglas Fairbanks. So it's um, Mary Pickford plays Catherine. Douglas Fairbanks plays Petruchio. Edwin Maxwell plays Baptista. Joseph Cawthorn plays Gremio. A Germio. 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 Ew. Clyde Cook. So I, I love this. Clyde Cook plays Grumio. So you got Gremio and Grumio. I mean, like Shakespeare's gr- really digging deep in that well. AKA to find the names. Grimy Brothers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, Jeffrey Wardell plays Hortensio. Dorothy Jordan plays Bianca, or Bianca, as Hortensio <laughs> likes to call. Oh, Bianca, I'm in love with you. Um, Fra- <laughs> Frankie. I'm so in love with you. I'm so in love with you, Bianca. <laughs> I love women. <laughs> so funny. So this film was directed by Sam Taylor, and the costumes of this film are uncredited, but they're by Mitchell Lee. Lyson. I had to mm-hmm. Google that. So it's Mitchell Lyson. Lyson. So it's the German um, pronunciation of it. Um, so Kathleen, have you had an experience with this movie, Taming of the Shrew, Mary Pickford, Douglas Fairbanks? What's your history with this? With Honestly, this no. Joint? I I had no history. I I found this um, just in our you know researching for our our very special exclusive theme this summer. Um, <laughs> and looking for <laughs> the I was looking sexy for sexy <laughs> Shakespeare summer series. Ayo, have some sexy. Um, and I was just looking for I was I was really doing some research on um, Shakespeare and how it had been interpreted through film and. Um, and I, and again, we wanted to completely make this all work around Kiss Me Kate. So we were like, hey, let's, you know, here's, we have this, you know, we have this um, musical that was inspired by Taming of the Shrew. And now we have this, you know, early, it was actually one of the first talkies and mm-hmm. it was them trying to actually do Taming of the Shrew. Very abridged version. Um, but I thought it was great. And also it starred Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks, who, if anyone doesn't know, they were the absolute power couple of oh, their yeah. day they were the uh, the, the brangeline i mean like I, you couldn't even compare them to like a brand like they were no one no couple i would i could say could really yeah. truly compare to them and their legacy and and like how long they were together and there's i mean no comparison and they were quite literally the most famous couple in the world for years like all mm-hmm. through the 20s yeah. and so um and I thought I and so that's how I knew about you know that's how I found out about this and I thought it'd be such a great addition um, to do for our series. Also, it was on uh, Amazon Prime, and as we we know, we love our Prime membership. So, <laughs> yeah. hey, a little buzz marketing there for you. So, if you are a Prime member, you can watch this movie for free, which is really exactly. Really cool. And I almost, I actually think this might be on um, YouTube as well because yeah. um, for yeah. free. So it's mm-hmm. it's an easy movie to get into. Um, and we do try to find and select movies that everybody can watch, especially people who have already existing memberships to like Netflix or prime or whatever, you know, we don't, 
We're not cinephiles will make you go out of your way to find some obscure DVD to keep up with us. This film is only available on Laserdisc. (laughs) Except, I'm sorry, I'm bringing it up again, Bell, Book, and Candle. We might have to go there old-fashioned style because I cannot find it. Got to go to the the library for that one. Get it on Betamax. I am so close to going to an actual library because I'm like, I need to read books and I don't have them. (laughs) And I don't know how to find them, but the library and i haven't been I, in years i think I, I think i'm slowly forgetting how to read is that bad stop it <laughs> no <laughs> no you just it's have all, to read reddit every night that, that's all why i rediscovered my love for reading it's all oversized type <laughs> no 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 you send lots of gifts i feel like I, you're I very gif expressive <laughs> yes that's my literacy is now as now i'm instead of writing words anymore i'm just sending gifts <laughs> but you send a lot of like old hollywood and old movie gifts so i feel like that's like that's like cultured gifts. I'm doing my best. You know, I'm that's doing literate. my best work. I'm living yeah. my best life. Yeah. Um, so teach the children, Philip. Teach them. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing. <laughs> I'm working on it. So my history. Yeah, I was gonna say. Film, thank you for asking, Kathleen. <laughs> I was about to. <laughs> really sticking with the format. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me throw you under this bus real fast. <laughs> JK, JK. Peace and love. Peace and love. Um. So actually, uh, much like to you, I don't have much experience with um, with Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks. I do know a lot of their backstory. Like I know mm-hmm. that she was, and I've actually um, took the time to watch. There is this interesting documentary on um, on YouTube. Actually, it's like an hour and a half, two hours long of Mary Pickford's entire life story. So yeah. it was kind of it was really interesting to get her backstory and just hearing all the stuff that she had done to pioneer. Um, the early motion pictures and stuff like that. She mm-hmm. was working, she worked all the way back in like the original, like at Thomas Edison's original film studio. Yeah, she in biograph New Jersey. Girl. Like, yeah. oh, crazy stuff. Like oh, back in the day. Like she yeah. was doing like one reelers that were like three minutes long. And now, and then she worked all the way up into like the sound films of like the early 30s. And um, it's, it's just kind of a fa- fascinating. And then she also was the one who kind of was integral in setting up. Um, setting up the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and mm-hmm. Sciences, which now becomes is pretty much synonymous with the Oscars. And then yeah. she also, in later in life, uh, she set up the a home for aging actors who are don't have any money. So she kind of set up a charity Amazing. that it's like the um, um, I think it's the I want to. I'll have to get their actual name, but it's this, it's a fund that is no, for I know motion what you're picture talk- yeah. and television actors and it helps them in their aging and stuff and actually has like an, I'm pretty much like an assisted living nursing home for yeah. them to go to. And yeah. it's all paid for through the unions and through membership dues and stuff like that. So they, it's like, they don't have to worry about things once they get older. They can just kind of, they, if they do, if they can't make it on their own, they can just go there and be taken care of, which is kind of amazing. So nice. She set that up. So she's. Yeah. Definitely, like, kind of an amazing. She is an amazing person, and her amazing. story is just sort of like the stuff that she comes up with, and the stuff that she gives back to her community was kind of amazing. I yeah, just, it's, you're just like, wow, she really, she really did all of this stuff, and then she all also formed she with along with Douglas Fairbanks, Debbie D. Griffith, and Charlie Chaplin. She, um, she founded uh, United Arts Pictures, which was an independent movie, one of the first independent and artist owned. Um, uh, for uh, as I have a stroke, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of film studios, yeah. So I just finding all that stuff out and being reminded of that. I'm like, she really had kind of an amazing career. Um, and I do want to point out this is the first and only time that Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks, a married couple of many many years, are. Uh, this is the only film that they appear in together. 
Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's a and it's a talkie. All talking. I know it's great and pre-code. I mean, it's yep. got uh, yeah, and I think it's really interesting too. Yeah, because I, I much like you. The more I researched uh, Mary Pickford, I it's like I think of her as actress, but also like pretty awesome business lady. Like business she was powerhouse. Really like. an amazing business lady. Also five foot tall, like tiny and and like <laughs> tiny powerhouse. And then like you were saying, all that work that she did even back in the day, like she wasn't even twenty years old yet. I think mm. that's the thing too is just when I was researching this and like the costume designer and everybody, they're all so young. Oh mm-hmm. my God. Like teens and early twenties doing like big time grown ass adult shit like and have already been doing that and they're like the breadwinners of their family they've been supporting yeah. their family for like 10 years like she supported her whole family and you gotta uh, love those uh those geez. days before child labor laws <laughs> right well and also just the idea of like yeah you you know whoever's whoever's the most talented is bringing in the most money and you got to take care of all like it wasn't even a, a question you just mm-hmm. did it you know yeah. like everything she did she was like i just did it it's just no. it's what i did it's who i am and um, I just, yeah, I think Make she's no pretty, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and like, um, yeah, like you were saying about them filming this together, because I think that it, well, tragically, it sounds like this was already where, like, their, their whole relationship is so interesting. It's such a roller coaster because, like, mm-hmm. they were already married when they started seeing each other and, like, saw each other for a long time, very quietly. And then when they finally announced that they were going to be getting divorced and were a couple like instead of getting scandal like people were like okay cool yeah we love you like and and i i think that's really interesting they were embraced um like as a couple and then um but you know douglas fairbanks like it sounds like he was a he was a notorious pussy hound and he was never yeah i I know he was hanging out with charlie chaplin too which he Uh, had his own i know that there's a lot of stories about him being a um you know a poon hound as well and just yeah and some and I know there's been some like scandals on Charlie Chaplin. Oh yeah, he's just all about the young ones. Gross. Yeah, and I think the thing with like, and I and I can totally even see this. Like, I feel like it comes across in his film work. But like, Douglas Fairbanks was one of these guys. Like, you know, again, that double standard of like, I can go fuck around, but you better not be Mm. talking to anyone, bitch. Like, he was super jealous of her, and I'm like, I hate that. I just that. It's so annoying, and so and and I when I was reading, it sounds like, sadly, filming this this movie was she said was one of her worst experiences of her life, but oh. she did openly acknowledge that it was also one of his best performances. Hmm. So I don't know. I thought that was like, and I I remember reading that even before like when I was kind of picking the movies, and I thought, oh, this is good. This is really dishy. good. Of like, yeah, like how dishy is that that these two people are playing Taming of the Shrew, and like we had talked about sort of the inspiration for Kiss Me Kate of these two actors on the outs playing playing these characters like this literally was happening at that time while they were doing this movie history repeats itself (laughs) exactly (laughs) and i really like the other thing with this movie and again i haven't seen any other douglas fairbanks movies i've seen clips and i've seen pictures but Watching this, all I could think about was Gene Kelly in front and fucking singing in the rain when he's doing like the Royal Rascal and all this other shit. I was like, oh, I get it now. I get, I get the whole thing. I get it. And then I also felt like I could really see a lot of the influence of like Howard Keel and Kiss Me Kate. I was like, oh, oh I get yeah. it. I get it. Like you the dick swinging comes from this. You know? Yeah, you know who I immediately <laughs> thought of when we when I was watching this movie. I was just like, wow, they really did an amazing job in the Rocketeer casting timothy oh me too i was thinking the rocketeer yes i was thinking the sets like with the swashbuckling on the stairs and it it reminded me of yeah like timothy dalton when he was doing 
Which at first, when I, I first saw it as so a kid, much. I was just like, it, Timothy Dalton always struck me as a little strange as a yeah. kid, as a met. I was like, okay, I get it. But it was like, I was like, not really got that into it. But now seeing Douglas yeah. Fairbanks and how contemporary he actually mm-hmm. looks in these movies. I, like in this movie, Mary Pickford looks 1929. She looks very yes. much of the yeah. era. But Douglas Fairbanks almost looks like somebody, he just looks like a he's normal so alive. dude. There's yeah. nothing, mm-hmm. t- like there's nothing that so date dated him in this movie. Yeah. And it was kind of shocking in a way. And yeah. that's kind of what made me think of like the, you know, the Timothy Dalton, just sort of like this, like kind of like highfalutin sort of like, you know, sw- swashbuckly swinging yes. on ropes sort of thing. And you're just yeah. like, this, it, it is <laughs> so your, funny. You brought up the rocket's here. I was thinking the same I, thing. And I was like, Did look, I say it? <laughs> shamelessly. I we can always circle movie. back to the rocket's here. Cause look, that is like our favorite. It's yeah. one of my favorite of all time i know that's like an embarrassing movie i know that yeah it is really underrated and it is it is like a shame it's one of those like um there is no shame in my rocketeer game and jennifer Connolly never looks so beautiful never looks so beautiful okay like they could have given her bangs but yeah well yeah that's our only like quibble if we could just just CGI some Betty bangs in there. She'd be perfect. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> Dave Stevens drew Betty for a reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, hello. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. So. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I did. Um, another thing I wanted to say about in, in, in the uh, same vein as the um, contemporary, how contemporary Douglas Fairbanks looks in the mm-hmm. movie. I was like genuinely dumbfounded by how I expected so much different from this movie. So you, I did. You, um, you sent me the movie. You were like, "Hey, we should do Taming the Shrew." And my first thought was Elizabeth Taylor. Um, you know, uh, the Elizabeth Taylor version. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, the Zeffirelli, the Zeffirelli uh, yeah. film. Yeah. Then I was just like expecting that, and then you um, suggested Twenty Nine. I was like, "Oh, interesting," because yeah. it's early talky, and some of those are really, really cool, and some of those are also really, really clunky. And I yeah. kind of love when they're clunky, um, just because you're just, you just watch it and you're like, "Man, it's so how raw. far yeah. we have come along." <laughs> yeah. But watching this one, I was shocked with how good this is. Like, I, it's I agree. Actually, like I was like they had bedding music, background music, mm-hmm. like they had sound effects. They had a mm-hmm. sound effect. They literally had sound effects artists that made the yeah. movie feel the whips. so. <laughs> yeah, but because most movies of that yeah. era, they wouldn't have the same, the sound effects. They wouldn't have like Foley artists doing mm-hmm. the sound effects to like really kind of bring in the reality of the movie because they would right. just sort of leave. They would just sort of record the dialogue and then they just move on. Like yeah. there was. No, it was just... it was very robust. It wasn't flat mm-hmm. at all. And I think that's what that's how I felt going into this. I was like, oh, we'll see how this goes. And then yeah, even just when it opens up into that big beautiful set, again, it made me think of the rocket those the big staircase and everything being yeah. so giant. I immediately thought of that movie, especially when people kind of start tumbling down the stairs and furniture's <laughs> getting thrown around. And that opening scene is actually fantastic. It again, you know what that reminds me of is like again, I bring this back to this often, but like a Disney movie. It looks like yeah. you're watching like uh, like some panicked like scene or in an early Warner Brothers where people are just going crazy, but it's like real live people. And um, yeah, and I I mean, I, I thought it was great. And, and there were definitely a couple of moments where I was like, well, that feels a little pre-code to me. Like when he grabs and kisses her on the stairs and she's oh, kind of yeah. like, she's kind of a little like, she's got the vapors, which I actually really <laughs> loved because that at least gives you like, okay, at least you know she is she's feeling some kind of attraction to him because yeah. I hate when people do the taming of the shrew and you can't, I feel like it can be played where it's it can be played very flat and just like, you know, these two people kind of like, 
here you know i hate you i hate you and then we get along and it doesn't to me that doesn't make any sense you have to add these little nuances and the mm-hmm. of these like there has to be a spark between the two yeah. or it just doesn't work and you can't the dialogue doesn't always show you that a lot of that has to be done with the the blocking and the and and there's other little things that that are no there are no words yeah you gotta and, see um, like a story arc through the character you do like, you have yeah. to feel it yeah and i mm-hmm. think like with petruchio and, and katarina like the 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 it has to be done in a way where like they have to in the end they have to truly love each other like or it just doesn't work like and right. because that's the whole thing is like they they drive each other crazy and they go through this whole thing but it's because they're so attracted to each other and if you can't feel that attraction you're just kind of like oh this is weird you know <laughs> like have, have you seen had you have seen the stage version of this like mount at all I I, ha- I, have. I haven't. Oh, I, I cool. have I've seen well I've seen um, scenes like I haven't seen the uh, like live I haven't seen the play in its entirety. However, one of my favorite performances of this, it was a late '70s version. I think it was made in the late '70s with believe it or not, wait for it, John Cleese. John oh. Cleese played Petruchio. I know, I know, and you know what? He's he's actually pretty fucking cute. Like there's some mm. shirtless times. He's got like the hairy chest. I mean, I, 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 hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay, so it's a BB, and it's actually on. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. It's pretty fucking fabulous, and it's like, uh, you know how like back in the '70s and '80s, the BBC did like the theater kind of like oh, masterpiece yeah, like, theater type stuff. Yh, they would do the just like they would just record. Straight up, yeah. yeah, and that's that's kind of how this is. It's like it's like the stage version, but it's it's John Cleese's Petruchio, and he plays him in such a different way than like he doesn't play him with a lot of bravado. He doesn't play it with like that, and he he plays it actually kind of cool and sort of like oh you know very kind of John Cleesey, and it totally works because psychologically he's even he's creepier. You know he's more a little more psycho, <laughs> and it works against the actress who her name escapes me, but because he's so tall and thin, and then the little actress is like tiny and curvy and wild and nuts, and she's like she plays against his like he's the calming force with her being cra- and it just makes her look crazier. Oh, so instead yeah. of instead of like fighting fire with fire, he just kind of like lets her like, like you know act implode like and, and act like a nut job, and like that's it works so perfectly for the story because then they're like, yeah. okay, thanks for taking crazy off our hands, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's and it's fabulous. Um, highly recommend. Yeah, it's but that's a, that's a really good one. So yeah. that's my only real, unfortunately, like that I've seen. But but that's but it's things like that, and even with Kiss Me Kate where. I'm just I'm also very I, the story itself is amazing and I'm very passionate about the fact that if the you know yes it, it's a fucked up story I don't agree <laughs> with it a lot I actually yeah. I I kind of am very sad and I kind of mourn for Catherine because it's a shitty position to be in <laughs> and yeah, I understand her like anger a, completely Yeah this but, is sort uh, of a uh, railing against the patriarchy it, sort of story it, isn't it? It, it really no it you know what it really is and and this idea that this woman is so awful and she needs to be tamed is is not like even as a little kid, I'm like, no, wait a minute. She's just really angry because you're using her like property, and she has to be married first before. Like her sister wants to get married, she wants to be left alone. But she, in order for her sister to get married, she has to get married, and she's angry. This makes perfect sense to me. Like, I don't know. So <laughs> math checks out. I know. Yeah, checks out. So I mean, and I think that again, because it's such a fucked up story, if if you play it with the certain nuances and blocking to where it gives it some humanity, it's a fabulous story. It's really a fun, and it's funny. So, yeah. Yeah. But this movie, though, this was movie sort of was cool interesting. <laughs> well, it, running time is what fifty-seven minutes. It's I a feel very. Like, do you remember in the Dave Chappelle show when he had the wrap it up, <laughs> the wrap it up sign? I feel like about. 
about 35 minutes into this movie, that just, that must have been flashing behind the camera. And they were like, yeah. time to go, guys. Yeah. <laughs> just... <laughs> I mean, it's re- it was pretty. I mean, just all the stuff that we've said about this is really true. Like, it's a really it, they did an amazing job actually making this movie and doing a really good job with all the you know the sets and the sound and the the track. I mean, they actually do like beautiful tracking mm-hmm. shots too. There's a very few. There's a, there are some like still still camera shots that the camera's just sort of like plopped in front of the action and then they do some stuff. But there's also these very cool like zoom shots or moving mm-hmm. photos or moving shots where you don't normally see those in. Uh, early talkies or no, even silent films exactly. which is kind of amazing like yeah. outside of like those high budget high so this was like a very artistic like they took the time to make it an artistic film so yeah and they the, really and, did which and we'll get to it but the costumes in the this costumes, movie okay yes i mean <laughs> the moment we've all been waiting for yeah. the costumes are nanners amazing nanners like, amazing so even the extras good. look on point good like God. there's not like i feel like the level of quality is equal among everybody it's pretty yeah. it's pretty amazing. I mean, don't get me wrong, Mary Pickford looks like the star, but like oh, naturally, you know, but just but yeah, like whew, like it, it, pretty amazing. So, yeah, so um I had just done some cursory um research on Mitchell Lyson and mm-hmm. he, apparently he was like not he went to school for architecture and um didn't really and he had done very little work up until this point and was mm-hmm. working with um was he working was he working with wd griffith um yeah that's where he got his yeah. start um which was uh, it's such a weird random thing because we always talk about this these people who like came out to hollywood at a certain time mm-hmm. for just whatever reasons and then like ended up either being a neighbor with sitting next to having dinner by or just like you know, the good old networking oh, ended sorry. up getting a DeMille. job. Sorry, DeMille. scratch that. He worked with DeMille. So his first part was working with Cecil B. DeMille. And yeah. he actually ended up in he, because he did the um, Gloria Swanson costume for um, the movie Male and Female. That's really famous. Her head's like a peacock. And then there's these peacock, white peacock feathers behind his head. And that was one of the first films he'd worked on. And it was with Cecil B. DeMille. So it's like, yeah. And he had no training in costume or fashion design. Also, I did and some light math. He was 21 years old. Yes. Yeah, so just, imagine, rem- remember just, what you were doing at night, 21 years old? <laughs> and this guy's working with Cecil B. DeMille with, I mean, first oh, please. of all, talk at about 21 a, years old, I thought vodka and Red Bull was delicious. Like, please. Like, I don't, you know, like... <laughs> I just, I can't. That's You're like, like, I could live on this forever. Because I was like, this, but this is what, like you, I was just reading this and I'm like, um, wait, 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 when was he born? When was he yeah. born? Oh, oh, yeah. and he was a drill sergeant in World War One. I. I was like, oh, sorry, what's going on here? Like people lived lives before I they mean, became movie yes, stars. Yes, Like what? I mean, it's bananas. So like, and of course he had, he, so the story goes basically he had no, um, who no formal training in costume design he was thrown to the wolves and he went into like the costume house while working for Cecil B. DeMille and was basically like he was he needed to do with the entire cast and he had no no um like he had no resources at his disposal he had like four or five seamstresses and they just kind of like turned it out how much and, you want to bet he got paid shit for that too? Oh, I'm sure he got. That's paid probably why, because they were like this young guy, and he just threw himself into that. It's like free labor. <laughs> I mean, banana. So then, eventually, he moved on, and then that was, I mean, what? Uh, male and female was in 1919, so this is 29, so it's 10 years later, and then so he's working on films, this film, um, and his career arc is so crazy, so too. crazy. I've never seen a career change like that. So he did, but I mean, he did costume design for many, many years. He ended up doing um, uh, 
production design and set design and eventually mm-hmm. moved on to being a director. Yeah. Like a film I, and director. And and still designing costumes, just not really getting credit. Like he still had a heavy hand in the costumes mm-hmm. that, and the costume work. And, um, and you know, I, and I think, yeah, it, he was such an interesting one to read about because he's really been lost to the ages. And I think unfairly, because it yeah. sounds like he got some pretty crappy shade and criticism from some of his contemporaries at the time that I think that kind of made him sort of fade away or maybe not get yeah. uh, taken as seriously. But I think he did some really excellent work that yeah. we need to but, visit. Like, re- I mean, like after yeah. reading about his movies, I'm like, Ooh, we need to get into this. Yeah. Like, I'm just fascinated. Real. I can't wait to actually start watching some of them. And it's so interesting. I never would have thought that a f- costume, you never think of never. costume designer moving into becoming a movie, an actual film director. I don't like, think I've ever heard of that. Have you? I, I mean, I, this is, the f- I didn't even, th- I was like, wouldn't have never even thought yeah. that that's a possibility. Just I didn't because either. And and he also continued. I mean, he was working up until the seventies in t- yeah. television too. He was doing a lot of television stuff too. And he actually directed the movie Lady in the Dark in nineteen forty four, starring Ginger Rogers, which I cannot wait to podcast that movie. First really? of all, I have never seen it, but it looks cuckoo. Like apparently, the film is famous for a gown with that Ginger Rogers wears. It was, it was designed. The film was designed by Edith Head, but the costumes. Um, but apparently, um. So the film is famous for this giant gown that Ginger Rogers wears that has the out, the outer skirt of this gown is mink. And the wow. interior of the skirt, it's very famous. And um, it's so everyone knows it. It's like pink. It's like a magenta pink gown with like a brown mink skirt. And then she opens the skirt up and it's a split front skirt. And inside the skirt is all just encrusted with like pink, um, uh, like pink magenta stone, um, rhinestones and jewels and sequins and everything. Wow. Um, naturally. And, <laughs> yes. So apparently, um, so the, so... Raoul Penne Dubois is credited with the costume and set design of the Circus Dream musical dance sequence, that that specific sequence. Mm-hmm. But Lyson, who directed the film, uh, who directed that film, was instrumental in creating that specific gown. I guess he had kind of like dreamt that up and been like, we should do this. And then the costume ended up being too heavy for Ginger <laughs> Rogers to stand in for long periods of filming, <laughs> let alone for her to dance and perform in. So a second lighter version um, had to be made for the dance sequence. So, so they basically made a second version where the main they thinned out the mink so it wasn't as many um, pelts to lighten it up and then they uh, lined the skirt in like just general sequence so it wasn't like a 50 pound skirt I love how like she had to lug around the costume like like the the comments like the the fit costumes were it was like less mink more like simplify sequence you know like I just think of like how would you how would you give revision notes on this yeah she just puts it on she's like well I can't cannot really stand, stand for like yeah. more than 10 minutes yeah so I'm sure they used it for close up shots and that yeah. sort of thing but then she had to eventually switch it up I just sure. love the idea where she's like I can't really walk around in this so remember how like they had those you remember we were talking about them a couple episodes ago those they're like leaning boxes yeah I guess. the le- yeah. leaning boards I just picture yeah, like being on a leaning board and like slowly the- sinking down like <laughs> sliding down the leaning board until she's slides out onto the floor. <laughs> well, apparently I saw this other gown. There was a photo. I was looking through the book, this book, uh, Creating the Illusion, that our friends Vincent Rosemary Keenan hey. gave us, friend of the show. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, they gave us the book, and I was looking through it, and there was a gown that Jane Russell was wearing that was like a, a 
it was a um a, it was a mesh like a chain mail mesh kind of like jet mm-hmm. gown the entire gown was like uh, metal mesh and it weighed over 25 pounds so they in between scenes they had a rigged up a harness to hold the gown by the shoulders to like relieve wow. tension off of her off of her shoulders i can imagine which i'm like i I love, I just love that. I'm like, why well, can't, I love glamour by the pound. <laughs> Anywho. Sometimes quantity is quality. Yes. Especially when, it, yes. I mean, beauty is pain. Um, well, I, so. I thought the costumes in this were, I mean, I thought they were super impressive. I love, I, mean, I love they're... that look of like, it's, they're vaguely historical, but you can mm-hmm. really, really see the influence of like Art Nouveau, Art Deco, the 20s yes. and, into all of that. And um, um, yeah, and like you were saying, like, you know, again, I'm just doing my light math. So he would have been about 30, 31 when he designed costumes for this movie. And by that point had already done like 10 films, including yeah. uh, like his in the early 20s, he did Robin Hood with Douglas Fairbanks. And I, I always like when I, think that i'm like oh that's probably why i could see where he would have been a perfect choice to do taming of the shrew it's like mm-hmm. he already has a past history he's it sounds like he he this isn't his first time doing costumes for douglas fairbanks who by the way seems like a really good sport like you know we, yeah. we hear about like you know how errol flynn was like i'm not wearing shit that looks too gay but like i think douglas fairbanks was like meh I don't know. Yeah, my legs I mean, look good. Okay, first of all, what his else? final, like, his his the his final he look that he wears. pretty secure in his masculinity. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, the look that he wears when they are in the bedroom, in the bedroom scene after he takes off his. They get okay, so they arrive at the house. And then she ends up in the bedroom. She changes into that amazing nightgown. That's uh, oh got, my like, god, sleeves like, for days. Just, and that's oh. where, like, you're just you know that is just the finest silk that you could like pass through a, a wedding ring. You know what I mean? I mean like it's it, so it, it gorgeous. floats in a way that like like and I, that was one of those in that moment I was like oh there are no synthetic fabrics in this film yes everything no, well, no. is the velvet yeah. is silk the the chiffon is probably silk like everything yes. is just but oh. I just love that if, um, the care his character is wearing like you were saying the la- the lame um, pirate shirt with the tiniest booty shorts with his tight tights like his like legging Look, tights that's his working those, from home outfit but then his slippers because he know, changes into those Peter slippers they're straight up they're straight up women's shoes those are pumps please you, you saw they that robe a... he was in remember that fur trimmed robe i was like did that he pick that trim. out of her closet because it looks amazing on you sir that fur trimmed <laughs> robe was so cool and then when he took it off i was like oh no hunty this is not i like it's hey, Phillip, oh no hey, Phillip, he has your entire ensemble no he does not the, without the robe that is nobody's ensemble no, i was just like those he looked Wait, like he come on he looked like gene a kelly half, could have done that gene kelly could he have looked like that. a half-dressed drag queen this was not this is like this is like you know when you watch RuPaul's Drag Race and they lip sync for their life and then you know they're going home because they keep losing pieces of their costume this is exactly what it was like, he was down to brass tacks Mitchell, on that Mitch, Mitch, Mitch Mitchell baby what with is his, he doing with his clunky size 15 ladies shoes <laughs> and they're a low heel because he's not used know, to wearing big tall low- pumps it's no I was kind of dying. Uh, and he's sides. trying to clomp around like a big old man. And I'm like, honey. Uh, my sides, oh. Philip, stop. All he needed to be so doing much. was wear, holding a shake and go wig. Like, because he couldn't keep it on during his death drops and everything. I was not into it. But. Oh, my God. I, w- I live to see it. Can somebody please make Douglas Fairbank do a death drop in some kind of CGI? <laughs> 
and an air snap. I just want both of those in my life. Oh my god! So Maybe a good. fan pop. <laughs> yes. God, but that robe though was something special. Mm-hmm. That robe was amazing. It's like all like still it's gorgeous, like that metallic brocade with a big giant fur collar. And yeah, big the big sleeves. cuffs. I mean, that to me was like Ugh. that screamed like old Hollywood movie star. I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, he, he pulled a Tony Curtis and pulled his car up, and he took that back to Pick Fair. He's like, this is mine now. Well, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> um, goodness. I look at we feel like. Every lead male we just are convinced pulls a Tony Curtis at the end of every production. I mean, just let's just rolls up with his Rolls Royce, puts all of his costumes in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Sorry, I'm laughing so hard I'm dropping the phone. Okay. <laughs> uh, what are you gonna do? Oh my god! But there's yeah, so there's some amazing looks in this movie. Amazing like, looks, like, like impressive. Yeah. We were really yeah. impressed, especially like the wedding scene. Um, mm-hmm. I just, you know, again, like we watch this and it makes me think of other movies and like how much were you feeling her headdress like a clear day turban? Okay, like Word it was up. okay. Yes, <laughs> she was, and I think that I think that that's Mitchell Lyson's like signature move. He yes. loves a headpiece because he had that one for Gloria Swanson. She had like. She had amazing hats in this movie too. Yeah. She had that hat that she was she was working <gasps> oh, her, first her first look. Her first look. Her first look was straight up Stevie Nicks realness. Oh, I was dying. So I was just you know like, that's my favorite outfit. Like we've already oh, gone there. Naturally, like, she's got like 16, 16 ostrich trailing ostrich laid end to end. So it's like a big giant long so one, good. and which is you know impossible in real life. And she's all like you know it's only Angry. thunder when it rains, and she's <laughs> <know>. just like <laughs> players only love you till they're playing. Like it's she was You're like don't get mad, was, gypsy, don't get mad. Yeah, you know she had if she wasn't carrying her whip, it would have been a tambourine with strings on oh, it with, for with sure. ribbons on it, and it would have sure. been everything she that first look with that big velvet cloak and the gloves and the she'd be step turning if she didn't have that big old train Mm -hmm. (laughs) was her hat like her hat was like a smaller like kind of like a floppy tri yeah it was like the floppy yeah and then it but then it had those trailing like over one shoulders which at one point she rips off and throws i was like not the hat not the hat (laughs) (laughs) curly ostrich (laughs) trailing ostrich feathers yeah. <laughs> yes. Ugh. I want to admit this makes me want to wear gloves with like the big gauntlets on them, like yes. the big like floppy gauntlet. Yeah. Oh god. With jewels on them. Jewels. Jewels. <laughs> Dripping just darling. Yes. Oh god. So good. So I I love that the costumes in this movie are like vaguely Italian, vaguely middle mid middle evil. <laughs> There's a lot going on. <laughs> Art Deco. It's just it's so good. Like there's tights. With tights. At one point, yeah, like well, naturally. and we now know that Scaparelli is not the original creator of the boot hats. Apparently it was <laughs> Mitch Lytle because um a bitch would be crazy. I I, I loved his like insane groom outfit. That was so good. <laughs> Okay, so first, the, so clearly this movie is about a man who's suffering from mental illness. Yes. But um, I think it kind of cleared up a little bit of something for me when I was watching um, Kiss Me Kate, too, mm-hmm. because during the wedding scene um, in Kiss Me Kate, um, Petruchio Howard Keel shows up in like a straight up 
amazing Mardi Gras yes. costume with his like streamers and he looks he looks bananas. I'm just like, well, that's an odd choice for a wedding day. And it kind of cleared up that it's like, oh, in the Taming of the Shrew, Petruchio shows up dressed as an insane mm-hmm. person. And I think it, because I don't know much about this, this Shakespearean play, I'm assuming it's a thing to try and break her spirit yes, or something. Yes, like, he's trying to it embarrass has to her. Be, yeah. He's, okay, he's embarrassing her to try and get her to like kind of calm down and that sort yeah. of thing. Um, but when I first watched it, I was just like, oh, this bitch is just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just straight up has lost his mind. He's suffering from delusions of something. Like, he needs help. <laughs> I love, like, with the Howard Keel outfit. Is that the one where he literally has a vertical stripe running all the way from his toe all the way up his shoulder? Like, he's wearing, like, the um, one piece that it's, like... <laughs> I think so. It's the black and white okay. number with, like, these streamers that are, like, on one yes, side is all like pink yeah. and green and orange and yellow and you're just it and then he has the hat that's like on the side right. of his head of he had like a hundred different his hats were all nuts in that <laughs> they movie. were your favorite outfits but, <laughs> i mean those hats they were amazing i know um but this one he's straight up rocking a boot on his yeah. head with a torn up with a torn up tights and he's like wearing like rags and stuff mm-hmm. and he shows up on the horse and the horse and then he sits backward on the horse it's like a whole thing where he's he brings the donkey and that's that's another yeah, that's actually insane. part of the story is that like instead of riding out on this beautiful horse he brings this like it's it's a whole thing of like to slowly break her spirit and humiliate her fun right super mm-hmm. fun yeah hilarious yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh you just laugh like tommy wiseau there it was a little weird <laughs> anyway how's your sex life <laughs> what, what? <laughs> um okay yeah so uh, did you want me to run through the story line on this movie real fast yeah. so that we can bring people up to speed? Sure. So, um, Taming of this year, 1929. Uh, did you, wait, wait, so wait, this could you the, give him that little prologue huh? that you remember you, you, you gave me that one earlier that was, what was like, it was like a, <laughs> something about having anger management issues. Remember? You were good. Oh <laughs> that one I was like, um, uh, it was like, yes, but no. But it was like Well, she does have anger management issues. In oh, this movie. it was about and a gold digging is... man who tries to tame a oh, woman with anger oh, right, management yeah. issues. So I was like, mm, that's uh, yeah, I guess you can say technically, that. Yeah, technically, yeah. Technically, so yes. the 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 broad strokes of this movie is that we have a gold digging man who wants to marry a woman with anger management issues. <laughs> um so this is based on the play by William Shakespeare. The film opens up with a pr- problematic puppet show, which just sums up the <laughs> film briefly, um showing a male puppet beating the object of his affection into submission. Um, so Bianca, star, um, played by Dorothy Jordan, is uh, the daughter of Baptista. Um, is she's in love with um, Hortensio, Jeffrey Wardell. Baptista will not allow Bianca to marry until he finds a suitable husband for her older sister, Catherine, played by Mary Pickford. Turns out Catherine's willful ways are the stuff of legends. So Hortensio and Gremio, played by Joseph Cawthorn, must find a way to marry off Catherine, but with her ill temper, it won't be easy. Lucky for them, Petruchio, played by Douglas Fairbanks, has arrived in Padua and is looking to wed wealthily. So Baptista just just so happens to be wealthy. Uh, Petruchio's manservice, Gremio, played by Clyde Cook, who is... I can't with him. He was so weird. <laughs> <He's> so weird. 
So weird. Um, tries to warn him of Catherine's temper, but he is laughed out of the room. Why should Petruchio be afraid of a woman's voice? Um, <laughs> that will be answered shortly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Petruchio goes to meet Baptista to woo his daughter. Along with him is Tortensio in disguise as a music teacher, where he goes to meet Catherine. Um, so they discuss a dowry for Catherine and they agree on terms and a match is agreed upon. Um, Batista brings his daughter to meet his, her new fiance. She in her full Stevie Nicks drag is not amused. Um, and, and she's also, she's, you know, sent to the boiling point because he calls her, refers to her as Kate. Um, so Petruchio proclaims how he plans to woo her for his wife. Catherine is steaming mad um, since all he does is speak of how her virtue is um, and how, oh wait, sorry. So all he does is speak of her virtue and how her sweet her nature is and how it's proclaimed across the land. She slaps him repeatedly and he laughs in her face, which causes her to get even more pissed off. So Petruchio proclaims their wedding day to be that Sunday. Um, to Baptista and then he kisses her against her will um, but it seems as though she might he might be breaking through you know this is just sort of a <laughs> it's just basically him pushing himself yes. upon her it's setting a bad precedent for the future yeah. um, hey. for future uh, I will you have know, you generations of men many many generations and <laughs> relationships in the 20th century were founded this way <laughs> yeah. and beyond so as Petruchio as Petruchio rides off she proclaims that she is the one that will tame Petruchio not the other way around so the wedding day has arrived everyone is there and waiting for Petruchio but he's nowhere to be found he does eventually arrive but he's dressed like a lunatic <laughs> and with a boot on his head and tattered rags for his clothes no one is clear on his motives um, for his reason for dressing like this and he doesn't enlighten any of them which is helpful um, he enters the church for the wedding to everyone's confusion and Catherine's embarrassment. Uh, despite this, the two are wed. Following the wedding, the two um, go to the giant banquet being thrown in their honor. Petruchio announces that he cannot stay and must leave immediately. This is embarrassing for everyone, um, and they try to get him to stay, even Catherine. And Petruchio assumes that her want for him to stay is her way of keeping them together. So Petruchio takes her over his shoulder and hauls ass out of there um, back to his house. On an ass. <laughs> On an ass. <laughs> I mean, how else are you going to yeah. go? Uh, so they arrive at his house in a torrential storm. Wet and tired, Catherine wants nothing more than to go home, but she can't, so she gives up and goes inside with Petruchio. Um, in an effort to frighten and break Catherine's spirit, he yells at his staff and browbeats them until dinner is um, set on the table. Uh, when the fruit, food arrives, he and interrupts her ability to eat um, repeatedly until he throws all the food away for it being burned. And in a frenzy, he whips his staff for their mistakes. This is all in an effort to starve her into submission. <laughs> <laughs> and Catherine comes to the rescue of the staff. Um, this is when Petruchio carries Catherine off to the bridal chamber. In the bridal chamber, Petruchio distracts himself with cards, which annoys Catherine. So she goes um, in, and changes into the most amazing <laughs> nightgown ever known to man. Um, uh, she then overhears Petruchio discuss his plan to keep her from sleep um, because he's speaking to the dog. And so, <laughs> which is, I always do my best thinking when out loud to my dog. Hey, I, t I talk to Jimmy maybe a little too much. <laughs> do, you share, do you share plans for the always, evening? Uh, yes. 
Yeah. Well, he's your social secretary. He so. is. He's my design assistant. Uh, this, there you go. Uh, this gives her the idea not to let any of his efforts get to him. So after several attempts to wake her up, she acts as though she's on board with all of his idiocy. She even agrees with him that the moon is the sun. This confuses him and effectively takes the wind out of his sails. They eventually end up in a shoving match, which ends when Catherine beans Petruchio in the head with a stool that she threw across the room. <laughs> Uh, realizing that he's a big old softy, Catherine comforts her new husband and throws his whip into the fire. The film ends with Catherine delivering a speech about how women should obey and serve their husbands, which she ends with a wink to Bianca. <laughs> the end. Yep. I mean, it's just not... <laughs> this story doesn't hold up. No. <laughs> in these days. But, you know, it's Shakespeare, so who are we to judge? <laughs> well, and this is why <laughs> I think that, like, I feel like this movie was, like, it was going, it was going, and then they just wrapped it up really quick. Um, yeah. And again, this movie, or this whole story, depending on how you do it, can actually be pretty cool. It's still a mess up story. I'm not going to not gonna argue mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But, um, but Mary Pickford looks so pretty and cute. And, like, <laughs> I mean, I know she was called, like, America's Sweetheart and, like, the girl with the golden mm-hmm. curls. But I also think she was the reigning Western queen of the small face. You know, that, like, yeah. like what um, I wrote it down. Kogao. She's the reigning Western queen of Kogao. That's the wow. Japanese. That yeah, it's the Japanese word for small face. It's like a, it's mm. a, a sort of a, a beauty ideal that's been around for generations in like Asian culture of having, um, like a very uh, a very tiny oval shaped face but with a strong jawline. And I feel like she has oh. that, especially like in her wedding scene where she's just, her lips are so tiny and pursed and her <laughs> eyes are so big and angry and I'm just like, ooh, go gal, big time, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but she has like I an anime face. She... I love it. Like she, yeah. to me, like she has that, um, and I know like Gloria Swanson had a similar look and the Gish sisters, they all have these very mm-hmm. like, like small face, you know, but they're all just very small people, but they have that strong mm-hmm. jaw and like almost like a heart shaped face with the big eyes and the teeny tiny little lips, you know, um, it's very, it's, she's very much the idea yeah, of the Clara 20s, Bow, like, the early, like they did that yeah, a lot. Like, um, yeah. one of the things that they even do in like the Asian, like in Japanese culture and well, other, you know, I guess. It's not just limited to Japanese, but like cutting little pieces of hair or wearing things around your face to frame it to make it even smaller looking and to mm-hmm. emphasize that like heart shaped look. And I feel like the 1920s and like that, the teens and 20s and even into the 30s with like the hair, like there was a lot of that, like almost like, like kind of Koga was there, I feel like in a lot of those, those early 20th century looks like that was sort of the mm-hmm. ideal, you know? Yeah, and I, I think it too is about that sort of like it's almost like that sort of infantilism. Mm-hmm. I think Completely. that was the start of this. Yeah. When it, but which I think went away in the mid '30s, yeah. and there was a sort of like elegance that were this older, yeah. this appreciation of older mm-hmm. elegances when you start getting into like because even like early Joan Crawford, like if you look at Joan Crawford from the '20s, oh. she was big eyes, tiny yeah. mouth, big like high eyebrows, yeah. like and then she made the transition into the '30s, which is when her you know her brow got yeah. bigger. It's and like her she literally face grew got up. Less childlike. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she yeah, got curves, and like, I think it's like, that oh, wow. she's, Mary you know, Pickford, yeah. yeah, she was able to sort of. She rode the wave of being. I mean, her entire career is, is based, based on, on being a little yes, girl, yeah, or a little being, boy. You know, I mean, she so. played both, and mm-hmm, yeah. I, in some ways, yeah. I was thinking, I was like, well, you know, and, and when you read about her life and just how talented she was, I'm like, you know, magic. Maybe magic is real because Mary Pickford existed. <laughs> she was like a real life Tinkerbell. She was just yeah. tiny and strong and could do all these different things and was really responsible for the success of so 
many people. And like you said, a visionary in that, like, she wasn't just thinking about the here and now. She was thinking about the future. She was thinking about, you know, caring for people in their old age. Like, who does that? You know, and I just, she sounds like she just had a really big heart and a big, um, you know, a big personality and all that. And just a very, very tiny, tiny frame. And I just, I find her delightful, like reading about her and her accomplishments. and, And it's also a little frustrating, too, because, you know... It's just brilliant, successful women around these dickhead men. I'm just like, just (laughs) can't. Because, you know, I know a lot of her tragedy and sadness was around just like poor relationships and poor choices around that. And just, but but that's all you had to choose from. I get it. I get it. You know, but anyway. But yeah, I I just, uh, I think she was great. So did you have a favorite look from this film, Kathleen? Well, you know, the Stevie Nicks look in the beginning, obviously. I, I, would, I, I, I would think that in that dressing gown. that or the It's not a dressing gown, like the nightgown. I mean, the, they oh, just, God, yes. the, the that, fact that oh, they had. Gonna... And then, oh, and then Douglas Fairbanks is like his fur-trimmed robe, you know, that he wears in his wow. house. I mean, yeah, it was mm-hmm. it was really easy to kind of like, well, I have my top three, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though her, the wedding looks were amazing and I love the headpieces. Her wedding but, gown was really yeah. beautiful. And I yeah. just, I love that it really did have that, it had a very art deco, art nouveau, like Urte feel. It was like Urte Italian Renaissance, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm in, I mean, I'm into it. I'm not I mad agree. at that. <laughs> yes. Um. I think that that's probably, I think my favorite is definitely her her nightgown that she wears because yeah. there's even that one scene where they open the window yes. and it's all like a blast of just, air and of course it's all chiffon so yeah. it just like moves magic and like I said so she looks not like synthetic fucking uh, castle collection from Joanne chiffon you know this shit is like probably mm, silk from Paris like not even made that way anymore V&A yeah, chiffon no. and that's why it like <laughs> that's why it looks so amazing on film it just floated and then of course she's just so lovely she looks like a little fairy I mean fantastic you know, but with her tiny yeah. little face She's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> She's so fancy, fancy. So tiny, so oh wee. Um, there was also, like, I think her, um, I do love her first look. Her Stevie Nicks mm-hmm. look is amazing. Her wedding look is really beautiful. I think Petruchio actually had some really cool outfits as well. His first look that he wears when he meets her for the first time is really yeah. nice. Because he is wearing, he's wearing little booty shorts with um, the <laughs> tights. But they're like the, the a scrunchy boot. He's like rocking an 80s scrunchy yep. boot, which I'm totally into. To me, that's um, like his, his, that's the quintessential. When you see that, it's like it makes me think of like the Rocketeer or like mm-hmm. like Gene Kelly, and uh, you know, you're like, ah, I get it. Uh, this is like this is yeah. the Douglas Fairbanks that everybody kind of like, even as as early as the '50s, they were trying to parody. You know, I think it's interesting. Yeah. I think that it's in, it's this one this this look with the tights and the tiny short shorts is a different is a different animal than the one with the the later his last yes. look <laughs> where he looks like he's wearing pumps I know. Um, because the the tights are the same oh color or appear to be the same color as the shorts. But he's full on wearing like prince that. boots. Like he's he like they have a yes. heel. Like there's one point he puts his like his foot up on the stairs. I was like, um, those are like two inch heels at least. <laughs> yeah, I'm like you go girl. Go girl. Um, but. You know, I'm not going to say. In one of the stills that we pulled from Pinterest, he's got, he's, baby got uh, back. Yeah. You know, good for no, him. He, he, like, he, was a, he was a man. Like, he, he was, we, yeah. and, and I loved his, um, you know, when he does his cuckoo bananas groom outfit. I mean, there's a lot yes. going on on that, too, because, like, one half of it looks like it's just been, like, like shredded on his journey there. Mm-hmm. And then the other side, he's got the type, like, the, it's like, 
like this tights like one's like shredded off completely and then the other one's mm-hmm. like gone like does a full twist like a peppermint twist like yeah, a swirly, swirly one. one yeah i love that and it's really well cool. it's interesting i wanted to point out that those are that look actually was in the debbie reynolds that's right collection, and she ended up selling that so she had so debbie reynolds actually had three major pieces from this film she had she had um she had uh, Mary Pickford's final gown, the one you know, that she uh, delivers that final speech in about being um, wow. you know, a beautiful wife. Yeah. And, that. and that was actually like um, sort of an icy green, sort of Tinkerbell oh, green kind of velvet, wow. which is really beautiful. Um, and that gown, which was lot number 16, <laughs> sold for $17,000. Um, so then she also had Petruchio's final outfit, too, which was I th- um, which had the, um, the tunic and the pants and everything, and even had the boots. But for some reason, I think the tunic might have been shortened at some hmm. point, because the tunic that he wears has like a fuller, a longer length thing and split up the sides. He's like, look, which cover think- my junk, but show me the legs. <laughs> yes. He's, he's like, give them what they, give give them what what they came exactly. for. <laughs> um, and so that one actually sold for $20,000, which is interesting. Wow. And then she also had his, actually his wedding costume as well in oh, the collection. Fab. And for, and that one was um, valued at eight to $12,000. Mm-hmm. And looking at the auction results, it's not listed. So I wonder if either she pulled it at the last minute or she, um, or it didn't meet the premium. Wow. Or it didn't meet the, but I, th- I can't imagine that it wouldn't have if the other one sold for seventeen yeah. and $20,000, which is well, like, I mean, granted the tw- one that sold for $20,000 was at the low end. And the uh, the Mary Pickford one was above asking, so I don't know. I wonder if she. Hmm. I wonder if she pulled it. I'd have to double check with what the auction results of, because I know that the um, Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds um, estates are going up pretty oh soon. Oh my gosh! So I wonder if maybe she put it back in her collection. Maybe. I know she ended up. Bu- she ended up buying back a few yeah. pieces from that collection yeah. when she sold it because she put everything up just sort of to help pay for her taxes. Yeah. And then once she, once she made a certain amount of money, she started kind of, no, I remember stuff. that because, she knows, cause she's a no, hoarder. Right, but I remember her son was integral in helping to get some of those pieces back. Like I think the one, yeah. like the, the costume that Marilyn wore in um, bus stop and stuff like that. Like there were certain things that yeah. she, he, you know, Oh God, Bless them all. I think all. she bought back. I, I think she bought back a couple pieces from on single Mom Molly yeah. Brown and stuff. And it was like, and <sighs> I, I had, I think I had even, so I think much. I did. I think even in the documentary about the Carrie, the Carrie Fisher Debbie Reynolds documentary, there's a part where they're talking about the auction and she's bidding on something against somebody, and the entire room yells out, "Just let her yeah. have it." Like at the auction, like the people attending the auction were like yelling at the guy who was bidding against her. Like just let yeah, her have you her soulless shit. motherfucker! <laughs> like, God damn it! I hate people. <laughs> also, how but I just were, thought was that the, was, a... was the entire room in that moment. <laughs> I know, God. Oh, oh some man. people. So. You know, yeah, some so just like hopefully... greedy old queen who's just like, no, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I've lost yeah. my soul. <laughs> yeah. Something. Um, but yeah, so it's, I wonder where those, I, I wonder where the, 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 it's awesome that those pieces still Me, existed yes. and it's actually kind of cool to see. So on um, Pinterest, we'll have photos of that, mm-hmm. that we'll have the photos of those. So it's actually interesting to see them in color too, because we're not used to seeing these items in exactly. color. Exactly. So Especially those I, ones, like you were saying, the velvet. Cause I, I feel like even mm-hmm. in that ending scene, like, you know, even with the extras sitting at the table and they're all kind of singing you don't really get a you only kind of get a back view but all i could see was velvet and i was just like 
like you can yeah. see the texture and even this being like a an old black and white movie you can you can tell it's very obvious that the fabrics that were used were very sumptuous because they show up mm-hmm. on camera in yeah. a way that like they show up on camera with effortless beauty <laughs> with a very yeah. primitive camera and lighting so that that just yeah. is a testament to that like you just don't see that anymore but in- and there's some really beautiful, we found some really beautiful kind of like production photos mm-hmm. too. And there's just the, the photos of their, I mean, the photo of her in the nightgown in the one room Gorge. with the round window that's like stained glass with the, I mean, yeah. that scene, that whole set it's is iconic. stunning. It's, 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 I mean, it's like, I didn't even notice it in mm-hmm. the film because you're watching the action, but the, the scenery in this movie uh, is, they really did an amazing job. Yeah. And it's just, uh, and so I recommend everyone yes. watch this movie. It's actually, it's an easy watch. It's an, <laughs> it's an hour long and it's, it actually is like really fast paced. It's at a good clip. Yep. It's not, you know, and like we're saying, they did a really good job with the production to like make it not feel like a um an early talkie it doesn't you would have thought that for 1929 i would have thought this movie was made in 35 yeah you know just because those early movies just seeing some of those early movies like i've said before in other ones you there would be like really long like when the dialogue (laughs) stops you just see the actors kind of stand there for like a few beats and then it would cut to the next scene you're just like what yeah there's a a a few moments yeah that yeah. There's a lot of yeah, and there's a lot of like talking where they're like, "I'm going out <laughs> and I'm not coming back until I'm ready." And you just hear the and then crackle like, pops, crackle pops. <laughs> yeah, or like and then like someone would put down a glass really hard, and you'd hear like a cl- a clank off in the distance, like it wouldn't like they, you know, that? and then they just leave it, you know, just like um okay. <laughs> Um, so this one they did an amazing yeah. job and I think it has something to do with um, like Mary Pickford I was gonna and say, Douglas Fairbanks being yep. actors and being sort of like in the artistic and not being mm-hmm. so much on the you know just sort of the business side of things just being like okay we need to make better movies they need to be good and well yeah and, and, and they I did have that. a first I mean I know Mary Pickford she would have a first hand and like probably watching the dailies mm-hmm. and then the editing and just all of the setups everything that they were doing and she had a hand in um, making like when this this was like re-released in 1966 with like a lot of as much as they could with like the original score and and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. i think they did a few revisions but she even had a hand in that she again just she was she also had a hand in like all her old movies making sure that they were uh, preserved and then when they were re-released either trying to improve upon or fill in gaps that were missing when they were re-released forever to everybody in the six i know she's just a fucking amazing it's interesting too because i was watching i just finished watching that documentary on YouTube and she wanted to have on upon her death she wanted all of her films destroyed because she owned all the publishing rights to all of her films she wanted them all destroyed because she was like I don't want you know she doesn't want anybody else to kind of like I guess it, her thought was, was like, it should go with me, yeah. you know, sort of thing. Is like, and I don't want, you know, because she can't supervise what happens yeah. to them. And I guess one of the Gish sisters had kind of talked her Good. out of it. So she donated all of her films to the Library Ugh. of Congress. And apparently there's, um, I had went to, um, here in Seattle, there's the um, silent film series at the Paramount, which was really cool. So they had little Annie Rooney, Mm -hmm. one of her like most famous films. They had done a, they had written a new score for it because it's a silent film. So they, um, they played it there with the new score. It was a live score. It was really, really cool. And there was a representative from the um, Mary Pickford Foundation there kind of explaining what they do and how they like kind of go back and they, they preserve, they, they restore old, all of her, trying to restore her films one at a time. And then they re, they either like rewrite scores or dig up the old scores and 
and try to like rearrange them to like modern to like kind of revamp them for modern mm-hmm. day to like get people to be more interested in this stuff. And it was kind of really amazing. It was actually really really That's cool to so see it that cool. way. So I'm glad that she she managed to like kind of come back on yeah. her idea of just destroying well everything. and i also love that she and her like, and the gish sisters like they go way back like they mm-hmm. were like practically yeah. childhood friends like biograph girls together so i'm like well if you're gonna listen and trust to anybody it would probably be lillian gish you know because she got yeah. you back and uh that's yeah. i'm so glad because yeah that's one of the things i was like oh do i mention it but i know mary pictures she did struggle with alcoholism and depression and things like that because you know, she she did live a hard life, and she was as much as she was successful. She was fucking taken advantage of. I mean, a lot I mean, of people made money off her back, yeah. a lot, and they yeah. fucked her over. Doug, I feel like as far as I'm concerned, Douglas Fairbanks, he broke her heart and fucked her over too. So yeah, you know, but I'm glad that she was able to take a lot of she was her own hands. She her, was her she with being her own mm-hmm. producer and owning her own studio. I mean, she, she she was a luckier than some of the ones that like. She, than some of the girls oh, absolutely. that came after no, her and before absolutely. her. Like she really kind of she she she's uh like if there's anything we can learn from Mary Pickford, it's like take the bull by the yeah. horns. Really, Don't be afraid. Really do do your, your thing. Stand up no. for yourself. Stand up for who you are. Don't back down. Like she was, and it's just like I think of the, when she tells these stories. I picture this like tiny, adorable girl with like little curls, <laughs> and she's like basically fuck you. I do it my way or the highway. <laughs> and like halfway out the door, they're like, no, no, wait, wait, stop. You're too good. We can't. No, 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 come back. Come back, come back, come back. Yeah. Well, well, whatever you want, whatever you want, you know. <laughs> Yeah, her. It seems like her entire career was pretty much based on calling everyone's yeah. bluff. Where she yeah. just like she's Love like it. she's like I know how much I'm yeah. worth, and y'all better pay me my monties or I'm gonna walk. And she did several times, and it worked out yeah. in her favor every single time. Like she ended up going from one studio to another yeah. studio, to, and then eventually to her own studio. And everyone thought she was gonna fail, and it was always a bad idea. But she she knew what yeah. she was worth. She's like, I will take this tiny, cute, blonde, tiny face, and I will walk mm-hmm. it right out. And I will do my yeah. thing. She's like, and they then, are not coming to see the no. director. They're coming to see exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> and I just, I love it. Even just like you're saying in that doc, you like, even in early, um, her and like, I think it was the Gish sisters explaining about like, they were really responsible for what we even know of like filmmaking today of just being sort of a method actor mm-hmm. and being real. Because before that, people were like walking around like cartoon, like cracked out yeah. cartoons. And she was like, again, stood up for herself as a little teenager. As like, she's like, a 16 year old girl doesn't fucking act like yeah. that. Like, she doesn't do that. She doesn't, I don't, I don't, you know, go crazy over birds. I don't <laughs> go crazy over dumb little things. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to pretend to be this piece of shit when I'm not and and they were like okay fine and it I mean hello crazy that people actually wanted to see real things people relatable on on screen but um yeah and then the world loved her I I don't know I just it's I don't even know if something like that could even happen today it's just this Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. This is why history rules, you guys. Like, it's not the dry, (laughs) shitty stuff they taught you in public school. There's so much cool shit out there. I mean, and if there's anything that this movie taught me is is that wearing shoes on your head is perfectly acceptable for a formal occasion. So, well, Scaparelli thought it was totally fine about 15 years later. Well, if Douglas Fairbanks can do it at his own (laughs) wedding, I'm gonna do it. You know, on Tuesday at work when I have a big meeting. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> did, did you know it was shoe hat tuesday and get on it, i people. won't even address it people will be like what's <laughs> they'll be like that's an interesting look and i'm like well your choice of wearing cargo shorts is an interesting choice too so <laughs> interesting in that i want to die inside <laughs> when i look at <laughs> oh my gosh goodness um 
Yes. So, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, oh, oh wait, wrap it wait. Up. Unless, oh, you got something I else? I have one thing. Well, no. I, uh, well, I have one thing. Only um, one I thing, I almost though. forgot. <laughs> Just one thing. It's actually a quote about our costume designer, oh. uh, about Mitchell Lyson, um, uh, that was by Ray Milland, because he worked with Ray Milland and uh, Fred McMurray like in, in their movies. And as we, uh, if ever, anyone ever knew or saw Ray Milland, he's very good looking, <laughs> very suave, uh, a very nice uh, uh, actor from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, who was in one of my favorite movies, The Major and the Minor, starring him and Ginger Rogers, mm-hmm. where she plays a 12-year-old. <laughs> mm. <laughs> we'll go into that one later. Um, but anyway, there's a really great quote that he said about him. Um, uh, uh, about Mitchell and he said he had so much talent in all artistic directions he could direct he could write he could do, he did marvelous interior decoration he could dress people both male uh, beautifully both male and female he staged nightclub acts he painted sketched and sculpted he never stopped and I think that's what's so awesome like he he ran his own like haute couture house mm. he uh, he designed and uh did productions for the um like stage productions for the coconut grove oh, wow and he was like this prolific artist i mean he just he was he was very very talented and also um and i knew from the moment they said he was a woman's director very gay mm. he was very gay and he had a long-standing relationship um with uh, another uh, guy in hollywood named billy daniels who i believe worked with um, like Esther Williams and Jane Russell on a couple of movies and then eventually I think ended up in Paris but they were together for a while and I don't think he was so like open like like, like say a Billy Haynes but people knew mm-hmm. you know yeah. like people it wasn't like it was like an open secret yeah. I was also thing. reading too that apparently he had relationships with women too so he didn't discriminate yeah well he was married yeah. to an opera singer yeah. so you know like that I, 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 it's it was a interesting time but yeah. like in even you probably read about with his um, directing and stuff it's like he really did play a lot with like gender and duality and they, they some people think he was sort of the father of camp oh. like really like kind of cultured camp as a like a genre where people did at the time when people didn't really take it seriously but it is really something we should take like camp is something you can kind of take seriously as a genre you know what i mean like anyway so i love camp (laughs) right i know well that's what i that's what i think is so funny it's like you know his criticism the contemporaries like i say billy wilder or someone who you know because he would he worked with like a billy wilder script and then would like edit it and direct the movies and they were always very unhappy with his style because they're like oh well you cut out all these things and you just made it all about the costumes and the glamour and this and made it and he's like yes that's exactly what i did <laughs> you know um and i think you know so they were kind of shady about his the treatment of of i think they just took it personally right. how he how how he would um edit and use and not use but i mean he was tasked to direct somebody else's story mm-hmm. and he tended to do it with a lot more flourish and a lot more focus on just other things instead of like you know where other directors like to focus on other nuances or other things he had his own sort of set of criteria and details to focus on and and uh which makes this stuff generally more a bit more lighthearted and kind of real mm-hmm. but also very glamorous at the same time you know I so mean, well, I'm, I'm into it we're here I mean, for the glamour so we need to watch this film we yeah, need exactly. to watch this so. films. um but yes. it was fun reading about him because i just love when you we read about people and you're like i would have loved to have met you He's, like you just sound like you were a really amazing person and um and nobody knows about him yeah i just think that's crazy yeah you know well anyway with that (laughs) um this episode lasted longer than the movie itself (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, that just shows you that it that there, it was good enough. So it tells it you was, the conversation. Exactly. It sparked more yeah. conversation than the actual film. So there you go. So thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate thank it. You. And um, I really appreciate all the um, feedback and conversations we're having over on social media. We got uh, yes. so much interaction from you guys about Kiss Me, Kate. That was so much fun. It's been so much fun talking about that movie. Um, so yes. keep in touch over there. It's Old Hollywood Realness um, on Instagram and Facebook at OHR Podcast on Twitter. You can email us, um, oldhollywoodrealness at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys if you guys have um, stuff to add about the movie, any if you have any stories about the movies that we're talking about or any of the old movies we'd love to hear from Oh, for from real. Um, or if you make, I don't know, had family members who worked yeah. in the industry and have their their stories to talk about because I'm dying. Like I want somebody out there to be like, oh, yeah, you know, my my my. My mom was, or my grandma was a head cutter for whatever. Please you know. tell us all of those stories. <laughs> Worked with Walter Plunkett. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> exactly. Um, so do keep in touch. Um, that'd be awesome. To, uh, check it, check out the website. We have, um, we'll have uh, our Pinterest page, which will have the um, fo- uh, recap photos from the movie. So it'll show you the costumes that we're talking about. Um, let's see. Got to give props to Hal Lublin because he gives his vocal talents at the top of the podcast. I want to thank Kathleen Nall for being my co-host. Oh my god, I want to thank Philip Estrada for doing the same. Yay! Um, Teamwork! And in the meantime, thanks for listening to OHR! <laughs> Bye! <laughs>